0: Welcome to Liquid Assets, where we talk about the business of water. My name is Ravi Karani, and I'm your host. Today, we have an amazing guest.
1: We have the CEO of Series Imaging, Ramsey. Hi there. I'm Ramsey Masri. I'm the CEO of Series Imaging. We're based here in Oakland, California, and our mission statement is to help farmers and growers deliver healthier, more bountiful foods while using less water, chemical, and fertilizer to do so. And the goal there is to f- an ever-growing and hungrier world. Tell us a little bit about you, a little bit about Siri, um, and kind of your story. Robbie, thanks so much, and I really appreciate being with you today. So uh, good afternoon. So thanks so much for having me on, and I want to talk to you a little bit about Siri's imaging, what we're up to, and what we've been up to for the better part of the last 10 years. Siri's itself has, you know, was born out of Stanford University and a graduate student there, Ashwin, and Ashwin created really as a tool and a focus to make the world a more sustainable and healthy place. His first focus was on water and living in California is very focused on the California farmer and how we can use less water while still, you know, delivering healthy, more bountiful food to market without using so much of that precious resource along the way. So over the last 10 years, the company has enjoyed you know, some great success and we've expanded beyond just looking after water. We also help farmers and growers you know, manage their chemical and fertilizer <clears throat> utilization as well. And where the original crops you know started with a focus around almonds, we now support over 40 different crop types We help farmers over four different continents and we have 35 million acres of land, you know, surveyed and and under management right now, which is super exciting. You know, where, where the world is going is no surprise, right? 10 billion people are due to be, you know, inhabiting the world by 2050. The amount of arable land is only shrinking, not growing due to, you know, changes in climate. So we need to be more resourceful in how we go about, you know, farming and growing healthier foods while simultaneously not using more water, more chemicals, and more fertilizer to do so. So that's just from a human standpoint. And of course, the cost of goods, right? The cost of fertilizer and chemicals has quadrupled in the last couple of years, largely due to, you know, the conflict in the Ukraine and Russia, right? That's really, really you know, harming the the global economy there, and then also there's a heavy pressure from the consumer segment to really get you know more nutritious foods on the store shelves. You know people don't want synthetic food; they do not want to feed their children synthetic things. So there's a lot of pressure there from from all sides to to do the right thing.
0: That's awesome. That's super super inspiring. I mean that that 35 million acres number in itself is just, is just awesome to go from the California nut farms to four continents and 35 million acres. That's, that's awesome. I remember, I remember actually meeting Ashwin, oh my gosh, Like I think, it was, I think it was eight or nine years ago when we were at Imagine H2O. And it was just, I remember he was like, we're going to take pictures of crops and we'll tell you what happens. And I'm like, how does that, how does that make sense? I mean, so so how, how does it make sense for, for the audience? Yeah. Can you kind of walk us through what the technology of, of series sure. is? Sure.
1: Yeah, absolutely, it, it, and it does make sense. I mean, the at, at the core at the core of whose series is we are a data and analytics company with a specialty focus in agriculture, and the way we source that information is from a proprietary set of cameras that we affix to light aircraft and overfly crops. So over the last 10, 20, 30 years, you had satellites, which can do a really good job on wide areas, and you can pull up a lot of information. But if you want deeply granular information, sourced very quickly and very accurately, you need, you need a different tool. There's also ground-based sensors, but they have the inverse problem of satellites. They tend to be very focused on maybe a one meter diameter or up to like five meter diameter of understanding. And they're expensive and they require maintenance, things like that. So if you want a very efficient, very fast, very accurate, that's really our value proposition in the market. So because the system was designed to understand not only you know a farm or a field, but we can see all the way down to 10 centimeters. And we really wow. understand the AI and the product understands what plant it is, its health, its vigor, It can delineate between plant, weed and soil. We understand soil composition. So we have the full gamut of agronomic understanding and capability in addition to our keen insight into water utilization or chemical fertilizer utilization. And because we can see with computer vision, our ability to detect any anomalies weeks before the human eye or other sensors can, Helps, you know, helps our farmers and growers take proactive measures to ensure that they still get an optimal yield to market at the end of the season. And as you're probably aware, making a light touch early in the growing season helps mitigate the need for a drastic move you know, later on in your growing season when you, you know, realize you have a problem afoot. I grew grapes in California for 19 years and you know a week or, a week or two without water if there's a problem can have a 20 to 30% negative impact on yield it's it's pretty dire and then you get into a situation where you have to flood the field or drown your you know vineyard right to resuscitate it which runs totally counter to the need to reduce water or you know be more sustainable in your farming practices so that's really how we, how we bring our science you know, to bear in, in practical ways.
0: Awesome. That's like really, really interesting to hear. And it's funny that you say that you, you yourself also used to grow grapes. It's, it's, I've seen this story with, with CEOs and founders that if you get somebody that doesn't understand the product or mm. has not seen the problem firsthand, yeah. it's just such a, such a difficult place for that founder to actually figure out how to solve that issue.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, and I had the pleasure of growing up around corn, cotton, potatoes as well. You know, I grew up in South America and Peru, and, you know, I was able to see that firsthand. Those were old techniques. Those were, that was a flood, flood irrigation. You know, they divert water into the fields and just drown it. Right. But we've come a long way. Look, my, my, my day job for, you know, the better part of 30 years was working in tech. So, I've been in and around data and data analytics for the majority of my life. Even my last company was also very mission driven, focused on making roads safer by leveraging data and analytics. And we did so through the use of mobile phones. So we ended up tracking, you know, 65 million drivers and over 3 billion miles. And we use that information to, to make recommendations to people of Hey, drive slower or take that turn slower, things like that, or help parents, you know, keep track of their kids and make sure they weren't getting themselves in trouble. So, very analogous past where that data set drove, you know, the betterment of, of humanity or you know added value to the safety and well being of, of humanity. This is a much better story, right? It's series we're really looking at helping people, you know, feed, you know, be. Better fed and it's happening all over the world. So it's it's a delightful place to be right now.
0: That's it's it's actually I want to touch on something you said a second ago of in in both series and and your previous company's end drive, right? Is that what you're referring That's to? Exactly. There there's this kind of idea of of generating information or almost extracting information that otherwise wasn't available and then basically clumping that all together and then drawing insights from them to give the users of that data, be it a driver or be it a farmer, better ways to actually do the job that they're doing, right? Yeah, Just absolutely. growing or driving.
1: Yeah. So there's there's a couple pieces to that. So if you don't mind, I'll, I'll riff on that a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Like extracting data has never really been a challenge necessarily. There's there's this great statement. It's not great, but there's a statement they say, you know, farmers, farmers don't buy technology. That is, that is the, that's not true. <laughs> That's absolutely not true. <laughs> if you look at the sophistication of things that actually are happening on a farm in any given day, they're, they're very technical, whether it's the complexity of driving a modern tractor or a combine or looking up weather or rain information, there's, there's a lot of things the modern farmer needs to look after. What the farmer doesn't want to do, though, is become their own system integrator. There's some amazing pieces of technology out there right now right but they're very much a point solution right? and in many ways they're a feature masquerading as a company and for a farmer to really draw insight from them they would have to like lump six seven eight different pieces of technology together and then aggregate that into a single view i don't do that on my own you know on my own iphone right so why should we expect you know them to do it as well they're people too so i think you know, our value has been really to synthesize all that data. So it's not only our first party data that we source through our camera system, but we pull in field data, field IOT data, weather data, yield data, legacy satellite data. And we munge that all together in our back end. And then our algorithms, our AI plays over that data and does recommendations and insights and learnings from the data, and then it presents it in a very simple and joyful way, right? They're colored reports, it's very specific. You can see it on your desktop, you can see it on your tablet, you can see it on your mobile phone, and it's very intuitive of what's happening there. So we're trying to simplify, you know, the farmer's everyday job into actionable things by taking the complexity of all that data and and just, you know, surfacing the elements that are germane to that farmer right then, right there, by their specific crop or their specific ask, and you know that's that's part of the complexity. It's that's that's the nature of technology, right? Is simplifying it to make it intuitive and usable, you know, like Apple, right? Apple's done an amazing yeah. job yeah. At, at things like that.
0: Beautiful. I, I love that phrase of it's a feature of masturbating as a company. You know. It's- <laughs> I, I want to kind of double click on your, on your background a little bit. I, I didn't know that you were born or raised down in, in South America. Kind of two questions. One, you know, what was it like, what's, what's the dichotomy of the work that you used to do on, you know, on the crops that you had down in, in Southern in, in South America and kind of how is Ceres changing that? And then secondarily, I, I just love to kind of see, is there any through lines? I know, I know the, the, history is always a very jagged curve, right? I mean, people people are like, the thing I studied in high school or college is never what I'm actually yes. working on now. <laughs> but but hindsight 2020, if you were to kind of say, oh, these particular parts end up actually showing up in today, what would those be? Yeah. Those are kind of two two very separate yeah, questions. Yeah, well,
1: yeah I, I'm a history major and you, you can see what that, that I'm really applying that <laughs> <laughs> in my everyday life, especially going into tech. But look, I Growing up in in that region, the world gave me an appreciation for a wide variety of things. It wasn't just crop, it was sort of crop and community, right? And you know, living in Napa for you know the better part of twenty years and growing up there also gave me a good sense of of community. And we spend a lot of time not only you know delivering amazing agronomic insights and series and and, you know, being great partners, you know, for the stewards of the earth are, u- are looking to reduce their utilization of water, chemical, and fertilizer. But we're really trying to be, you know, better friends and partners with the communities as well. And we really love some of the partnerships that we've developed with some of the bigger, grower, bigger growers in the world right now. And part of their sustainability issues aren't just lowering the costs or lowering the amounts of utilization of, of the inputs. But they really care a lot about how are we going to help our growers and farmers, especially the smaller ones. So we're working with a, a pretty large consumer packaged goods company out of Mexico, as an example. Right? They're a $22 billion business. They own everything from the farm field to the bakery. But their program is really centered around how do we help these farming communities participate in the modern world, but not, not, expose them to high risk of chemical or or bankrupt them by having forcing them to pay lots of money to buy all these inputs so they can make a subsistence living and i just love that that change or that mindset which says "Look, i'm a big grower but i still care about the small farmer who's you know growing potatoes you know for us as an example and so You know, that's very analogous to how I grew up, because when I grew up, our farm was very close knit, right? We had this, you know, we had a school, we had the well, we had our own power generation. I mean, we were totally independent and off the grid, but we made an effort to, you know, help, help the whole, the whole town that we worked in. And I, and I love that continuation of that community. Now, all we're doing is we're bringing technology, you know, more technology to bear, to help, to help everyone else. You know, it's interesting. There was someone shared a stat with me and, you know, here in the U S in particular, but I also think it's a, it's a worldwide statistic as well, which was 20 years ago, three out of four kids stayed on the farm. 10 years ago, two out of four kids stayed on the farm. And now one out of four kids stays on the farm, right? And she's got to manage the same farming operation that her father and grandfather did with their brothers and sisters. So yes. now all of a sudden you have one person who's totally responsible for everything. So what, what can they do? They need to leverage technology. Now, the good thing is that generation, the current generation, you know, are, are tech aware. They grew up as digital natives and they really understand the power of technology. So they're using that to grow better crops, you know, get to market in a more efficient way. Really understanding having that one to many relationship with their with their farm equipment and capabilities.
0: That's really really interesting. I, I, that stat makes a complete amount of sense now, right? If if your if your grandfather had three out of four, you had three out of four people that were on the farm doing the same work, and now you have one. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it makes complete sense you need technology to augment or supplement what you're doing. Absolutely, and I, I also really love that that community aspect too. I I used to work in India, and I remember a lot of the smaller farmers in India with like Amul, for example, which is a large, really large milk brand. Mm-hmm. They have thousands, tens of thousands of local small farmers that'll have one to three cows. Yep. That'll that'll have this whole bottom up approach of actually getting goods from. The smaller farmers up to up to the kind of larger distribution houses but that's that's super inspiring to hear that series is not you know not just this technology company like you said farmers just don't want to buy technology they want they have this one out of four problem Mm -hmm. that they're trying to solve and you guys are helping them get that extra step to augment those other two people that they now don't have yeah
1: absolutely and look there's there's a lot of really big companies we work a lot with the the ag financial services community so think ag lending ag insuring and they're trying to help out too and they have some amazing programs we're working with a big bank insurer in africa as an example so obviously if you're a, a small farmer sort of analogous to your in india dairy you know experience which is if you're a small farmer it's very difficult for you to you know afford you know seed chemical fertilizer to grow well right if you're only farming three, four, 10 hectares, you, you have no leverage. So what this bank is doing, and, and they're an awesome group of people is, they're creating village loan programs. So basically it's one super loan for all the farmers in the village to participate in. And, and then with that power of, of the bigger bigger volume, they actually then have negotiating leverage You know, for buying seed in bulk, buying fertilizer in bulk and so forth. And we're starting to see a lot more of that. So we're spending a lot more time with those bigger businesses like those big ag finance or ag insurance companies to help them facilitate that type of behavior. So again, it's it's a really delightful time in, in civilization where you have this heightened awareness of folks, we gotta do something, right? and it really started around water water was sort of the genesis of the idea of like this is a problem but then from there has spawned an awareness of like there's the different categories of problems that are all still related to it in and around farming but of course water is top of mind for everything because it's the most acute one yeah
0: it's it's actually funny you say that i i just had an interview with someone from the us aid yesterday that was doing financing for actually taking off-premise water from you know what they would have Very as cool. um, wells wells that might be three kilometers, two kilometers away, and not necessarily bringing it in the home as kind of you and I would have where we turn our tap on, but something that's within a five-minute walk, right? Because oh. a big problem for a lot of women and, and girls are they have to end up walking multiple kilometers to bring this water yeah, back. Absolutely. But finance actually popped up a ton during that conversation because- the USAID are, are using local banks instead of this sort of, you know, hey, we're going to drill and leave mm-hmm. to how do we take local banks to actually do this sort of bond system that we have in California, for example, mm-hmm. and pool together capital so we can actually then put the infrastructure and then pay it back via taxes. But it sounds really similar from that standpoint with the with the actual bank doing that for the agricultural side. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And look, at the end of the day, <clears throat> without the financial institution structure in place, you know. Farm, farming doesn't happen, right? Because the capital outlay, not just for the original land acquisition, but the annual operating costs are, are are steep, right? So it's 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 buying the seed, it's renting you know the equipment to plant with, you know again fertilizers and chemicals, and then you know the harvesting costs as well. And most most farming operations cannot afford to purchase, you know, all these equipment, so they have to rent it, but they need capital to do so. So having that capital structure in place is absolutely, you know, necessary, but where we're helping is where we can help. If you're a great steward of the earth, right. And you're a farmer and you're doing everything right. Shouldn't you get preferential rates for, for your loan? Shouldn't you get preferential rates on your insurance because you're less of a risk because you're demonstrating that you're doing everything right. And I think that's a really important thing rather than just having sort of a a general policy. The people who are doing things better, using less water and so forth, they should be rewarded with with better rates. And for the banks, they they want to source, you know, that type of risk, or, you know, preferred risk, as they call it, of hey, there's less chance of these guys you know, getting it wrong because they're paying such good attention to to what they're doing in their farm fields.
0: That's awesome. So, if if I understand this correctly, series series imaging is helping basically build a data set such that then banks can see if this farmer has preferred risk or you know they're they're, they're more or less risky
1: from a financial yeah, perspective. Yeah, absolutely. Is that so, you know, one of the the key ingredients in any any banking or insurance operation is you know, looking at the, the you know, risk profiles, right? And those risk profiles, as you're aware, they're sort of 10 years retrospective of all these different attributes that are going on. Because we've been in business for 10 years and because we've sourced a very clean, high-fidelity set of data of our own, and because we've taken third-party data along the way, we have a really composite 360-degree view of what's transpiring at the field level. And all actuaries inside, you know, banks and insurance companies, like heterogeneous data that's been collected for a very long time, at least 10 years. So rather than in addition, just also helping the farmer with deep agronomic insights, we're sharing that data set. We're we're sharing that data set with you know insurance and, and banks so they can have a more granular understanding of what's happening with particular farms. And if everything is going right. It, it's a great way to, to get the farmer alone. And then throughout the growing season, because of that ability to see with computer vision, because we can detect things weeks before a problem emerges and take some sort of proactive measure and help the farmer realize the optimum yield at the end of the season, that takes risk out of the insurance company. That takes risk out of the bank. Uh, But it also provides benefit to, to the farmer and the grower as well. So they can realize that, Hey, something's happening over in this corner. I should, I I need to address it now, you know, fix it. So they, they their money at the end of the year. So everybody benefits in, in that closed loop ecosystem.
0: Huh, that's that's super cool. It, it it reminds me of you guys are building a, a FICO system yeah. you know, instead of yeah. as we would to, to get our mortgage. Right. You're building it for farmers. Hey, yeah, we have a, we have this extra data set. So you guys are the Experian of of, of farmers. Yeah, in basically. some ways, yeah. And I then, mean,
1: the financial services sector in ag is sort of one of the last sort of analog worlds, and they know it. They know they need to. They know they need to evolve. You know, towards a towards a digital you know presence and a in a digital future, right? And you know that that's sort of the opportunity here for for series imaging is to take all that great understanding and help out the next layer, the adjacent area of community, which mm-hmm. is which is that the financial services sector. But oddly enough, or maybe not so odd, you know, in doing all of this, it, it is actually also helping the sustainability aspects of of farming and operations because by being more prescriptive in how inputs are utilized at the farm level, we're able to help the farmer use less and as a consequence, you know, have, have a gentler touch, you know, in and around, you know, the farms and, and the crops, which is great as well. Because that's also a big mandate from, from the consumer, but also, you know, farmers, farmers want to do it too. You know, good regenerative farming practices are great for fields, they're great for crops, and, you know, helps promote, you know, soil health and, and, you know, creating environments that lend themselves to better crops over many, many years.
0: Yeah. 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 And, and I mean, I think if you just mathematically look at it, right, instead of making changes week over week or month over month, if you get more granular data that's on a daily basis or per minute or per half day, you just, this, the the control system, the iterative loop becomes a lot quicker such that you can basically decrease your, your waste yeah, there absolutely. totally. I, I wanted to touch one thing actually on, on something you said on the finance portion. What, what is the analog today? I mean, I, I, I totally get the series imaging part, but how are farmers doing it Sand series, right? 10 years ago, what did what? Did well, that 10 like? years
1: ago and, and probably earlier this morning in some beautiful field in the Midwest, somebody was driving around their field in a truck and taking a look at the crop. If there, was a, if there was a hail storm last night, somebody was driving around the field in the truck, maybe they flew a drone up in the corner of the field to see what happened. But, you know, that's that's imprecise science. It's slow and it takes a while to get to. We actually worked with with a big grower in Florida after Hurricane Ian, they had 10,000 acres of, of citrus, orange. And the fields were so hmm. flooded they couldn't get the sort of men in quads driving up and down rows with clickers counting how many trees were damaged. So we overflew that. Oh my gosh. Yeah. 72 hours later, we were able to produce a report that showed exactly how many trees you know they had lost. It was like 92,000 and change, but we can, we can count damaged trees as well. So we were very, we were able to very quickly understand what happened. We're able to generate an exact report, which was good for the, for the grower because then they knew exactly where the, what their damage was. They knew where the damage was and what areas they had to go replant. But then also the insurance company understood exactly what the impact was to them, right? So when they did their payout, they knew exactly how much to pay. So not only did it shorten the period of time where everybody learned what was going on, but it quickened the time that the insurance company was able to get cash to the farmer. And it also improved the insurance company's understanding of how much to pay. So they didn't end up overpaying or underpaying, you know, their their insured. And that's really important because again, you know, in today's world, that that's not not a lot of that data is there. Some financial services companies are ahead of others, but but the vast majority, 85%, are not. They're still using you know, person and truck or maybe satellite or something like that. Again, very imprecise, slow, and uh, that's where we come in to help. That's super, super
0: cool. That's awesome. I, I, I still go back to this, this FICO model, and then you, you, you remind me of a Progressive, progressive the, the, the car's new model, right? They put that ODB connector inside the car, so now you're not paying for insurance on a, on a monthly or yearly basis. You're paying on it on a per mile sort of thing and and you can do that in 100%. real time which is now you're paying yeah. per day which is you know really really interesting and changing yeah, the paradigm
1: you know progressive was was a customer of ours my last company for exactly that reason <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> so here's 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 some through lines in, in, in yeah, so absolutely itself, right? look think,
1: again uh, you know I, I had are... the privilege of enjoying the the, uh, the digital evolution revolution of of private commercial auto insurance and again that was so you're taking this amazing data set that Zendrive had and pointing it at, at a really, really big problem, right? So not only making roads safer, but also helping, if you're a great driver, shouldn't you get a better rate? So helping people save money along the way as well. And the, the same principle applies here, right? You know, helping, helping a very big yeah. and very important industry, financial services and ag, you know, move into that next that next level, right? It has to happen right? We cannot continue to go the way we've been going for so long and still meet our, our food goals, our sustainability goals for the next generation, right? You know, I got kids. I care a lot yeah. about them, right? Yeah. I want to give them a good world or a better world, you know, from what I have. Entirely. And I love the way that you also
0: started off this podcast of, you know, we're going to be up to 10 billion people in this world. and. Yes the farmers of the world right the stewards of the land that are that are making this food and they're growing it if if series can basically help leapfrog or at least level up the, the the financial
1: side as well as the input side
0: we now we now end up in a much more sustainable world tomorrow than we did Absolutely. yesterday entirely
1: and it's all interconnected right so you know good good agronomic insight good sustainability practices good information to ag lending ag insurance they're all interconnected. You cannot divorce one from the other. And, and we're trying to help out that whole ecosystem move forward in a uniform way, you know, using that same data. So we'll, we'll overfly a crop or overfly a field and we understand exactly what's happening. And then we share that data out to all parties. So there's a lot of uniformity and commonality in that data that benefits all parties. And because we have a historical measure of it over 10 years and, look, we farm every day as well. So we're always adding to those insights and then it's leveraging those insights to say, Hey, here's some better techniques and methods to improve yield, or here's some better techniques, you know, to improve, you know, the, the, the vigor and, and uniformity of the crop. And that, again, that same ecosystem, Mm -hmm. you know, benefits from all these insights. It's a ton of fun, Ravi, I got to tell you. The feel-good factor comes for free. You know, it's hard work, but, you know, with with our expansion now in in Latin America, with our expansion in Africa, with our expansion through, you know, Europe and Portugal and Spain, and, of course, Australia and up through South Asia, we're present everywhere. And so we're farming every day. We're we're gathering data every day. it's busy, but it, it's 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 delightful. It's it's a real delight. That's 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 amazing to hear. Thanks a ton, Ramsey. We're
0: coming up on on close to time. So I actually have two Ladies. more two more questions that I usually ask people. The first one is you're obviously deep deep in the ag industry, deep in deep in mm-hmm. ag finance. What is like one or two facts? I, you know, you said this kind of three fourths to one fourth mm-hmm. number of, of people that are on a farm. Is there, is there a fact that you know that that like the rest of the world doesn't know from all this data that you're seeing from things that, that farmers are doing? Anything that comes to mind? Yeah, the
1: one thing is the ability for a farmer to be more efficient and to get better crop and yield is, is unbelievable, right? So we have seen almost a 70% increase in farm yield optimization over the last 20 years. So that same farm is putting wow. out a much more uniform crop so that's not that they're pumping the ground full of you know nitrogen to to boost the crop you know quite the opposite the advances in science plant level science you know biologicals and so forth is absolutely stunning so you know there there was this this big concern about genetically modified you know crops and people had a including me right when i first heard about that 20 30 years i'm like the frankenstein tomato or whatever those things are well as it turns out you know they're they're adding maybe a sugar molecule or something like that to to the overall growth there's no negative impact on the human uh it's quite a positive impact so it these are disease resistant these are more efficient in their consumption of nutrients and water so the plants that are actually growing now and the fruits and the veg and the wheats and the corns and the soy that are making it to market are, are better on, on a multitude of levels, but they're also a lot kinder and gentler to, to the soil as well. We're also seeing all yeah. sorts of clever techniques by leveraging science where you can taper off water utilization on potatoes by 20% You know, now in the last weeks of, of the growing season. To actually let them dry out but it won't actually impact the yield of the farm so it was really through the science and insight that we realized that hey you can actually reduce water without having a negative impact on crop and you know it's all these insights and these insights are now being shared you know around the ind- industry at the speed of the internet so the information sharing is amazing this plant science going into the ground is is amazing the ability for the machinery to extract you know, the things from the ground, equally amazing. So the technical evolution, revolution that's happening in the farm field right now is giving many who are close to it a, a sense of huge accomplishment of like, wow, we have come so far and a sense of confidence that, yeah, you know what, by 2050, we're, we're going to make it right? We're, we're implementing these techniques. We're implementing these new methodologies. We're silencing our way to, to a better humanity, better fed, more nutritious, you know, the ability to ship healthier foods around the country and around the world in non-perishable, you know, containers that, oh, by the way, are not an eco-disaster, you know, with wrapper plastic. Mm -hmm. So there's all sorts of things that may go underappreciated that the ag community has been working on for a long time. Because look, the farmers of the world have been looking after the fields for a really long time. Some of the regenerative practices, low-till, no-till, crop rotation, things like that, many of them have been doing for, for decades. It is now becoming more common practice. So I think that's, that's a really encouraging thing. And again, where you're also seeing some innovation in the spaces, what I made, made a comment about You know, at the bank you know, in Africa, you know, helping aggregate loans on behalf of villages, you're also getting these big investment fronts like teacher unions and pension funds who are investing in ag land. And they're buying up millions of acres or at least hundreds of thousands of acres of ag land. And and they're bundling that together, again, to get economies of scale. What's really delightful in, in a lot of those companies, Ravi is, they've mandated that a good percentage of their crops or their farming practices are sustainable and regenerative. And they're really pushing that initiative that, hey, wow. I'm gonna invest millions into this consortium, but you have to ensure that 30, 40, 50% of your farming practices are sustainable and regenerative. Or you're doing something else really beneficial like setting aside 200,000 acres of forest land. And we wanna know that you're doing that. So it's a really nice social conscience going into these investments. It's a really nice social conscience that when they do make an investment, they do buy a family farm, that they keep that farm family on the farm to allow them to continue farming. But it's structured in a way that they can those farmers because farmers can now participate in the global community. They're not disadvantaged by just being a small private farm. They now operate, you know, with the power of the collective.
0: Yeah, yeah. Super inspiring. That's, that's awesome. What actually comes to mind is my, my buddy Zach Stein, is actually creating a, a more sustainable 401k. mean he's looking, you know very similarly, like you said, 30, 40, 50 percent of your portfolio has to be done through sustainable awesome. practices. I mean, it'd be, be awesome. It'd be awesome to get those assets put into his carbon collective 401k yep. portfolio. I think that'd be, I'm happy to show be really the names of,
1: of folks. You should look at who in my humble yeah. opinion are, are doing it right. Yeah. Awesome. I'll, I'll definitely, I'm I'll sure. definitely connect
0: you guys after the show. It'd be okay. great to, great to actually hear. Cool. So for, for the last question that I have, is there a, a book or a show or, you know, whatever it is that's kind of your one book that you keep on your bookshelf that you recommend to everybody that's kind of changed change your outlook giving you a bit of the overview effect anything, anything you know that comes it's not
1: necessarily a book it, it's the community you know i must say while while i mm-hmm. grew up around farms and then and living in napa you know spent a lot of time around farmers the fact that i'm interacting with them every day right now is probably the most amazing experience right Because hard-working, mm-hmm folks with with truly a compassionate sense for not only their families and their communities but the world as a whole it's that community so i would encourage people if if you have a curiosity you know look at what's going on in modern agriculture and and pay attention right these people are, are feeding you and Look into what they're up to and you'll be inspired by their motivations in life, not just their work ethic, but really their outlook and, and what they do seven days a week. And for me, I draw a lot of strength and inspiration from the, from this group of people. And I just wanna measure up to their their level, right? I wanna work and deliver to their expectations because I see them doing that every day. And they harbor no malice. They have joy in their hearts, and it's a, it's a pleasure being in this world. That's
0: beautiful. That's awesome, Ramsey. That's a that's a perfect end to this podcast. Thanks, well, think- thanks a ton yeah. for. Yeah, definitely. So that's it for today's episode on liquid assets. You can find us wherever you listen to your podcast. Ramsey, thanks a
1: ton. I mean, this was absolutely amazing. Pleasure. Thank thanks you again for inviting me.